Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Green and Black's Organic Chocolate, a selection of ethically sourced flavors combined with a rich cocoa intensity. You're listening to the Irish Times Women's Podcast. I'm Roisin Ingle. Well, we've got a really excellent episode for you today. Deirdre O'Kane joined us for a very special women's podcast, Big Night In, and we'll be bringing you that very shortly. First, I wanted to mention a statistic from Britain, which I think is sobering and something that uh, we've dealt with on the podcast, but that we should really keep in mind. In the first four weeks of lockdown in the UK, 13 women and four children are believed to have been killed by men, mostly while shut inside their homes. And that is double the already terrible average of two women a week in Britain. I know that's Britain, but we have heard the and we've dealt with it here in the podcast about the increase in uh, women having difficulty at home because of abusers. So we need to keep in mind that some women and it is mostly women are at risk in their own homes and to be vigilant, I suppose, about what might be going on behind closed doors. Well, in terms of the coronavirus, the numbers don't get any uh, less depressing. There are 18,561 confirmed cases in the Republic and 1,063 people have died from the virus, according to the latest figures published on Saturday. And in addition to that, the loss and the grief, a lot of people are finding the continuous restrictions hard and we're not necessarily expecting much to change on May 5th. But I suppose we just have to keep in mind why we are doing it, staying home to save lives and just try not to be complacent, however antsy some of us might be getting. Back to today's episode. Uh, we hope it's a bit of a distraction from all of that. Around 250 women gathered with us on Zoom for our latest big night in. And a big shout out to the women who won tickets by sending in their voice memos. Lisa Carey, Fiona Curtis, Claire Carr and Jane MacDonald. They got the tickets by sending us in their voice messages or memos about what they were most looking forward to doing when lockdown is lifted. So we'd love to hear your post lockdown fantasies as well. Do send them in, in the voice memo or the voice message. Tell us your name, where you are, what you're up to, and then tell us what you are most looking forward to doing when lockdown is lifted. And you can send the voice messages or the memos by DM to Twitter to at IT Women's Podcast or by email to the Women's Podcast at irishtimes.com. And we're looking forward to hearing those and to the podcast that we'll make out of them too. But now she's an Irish comedy legend and she came to chat to us on Saturday night along with a couple of hundred other women. Thanks very much to Deirdre O'Kane for joining us and to Green and Blacks who gave away three gorgeous hampers of delicious chocolate on the night. We hope you enjoy our women's podcast Big Night In with Deirdre O'Kane. 
We're so delighted to have Deirdre. She's an acclaimed comedian. She's an actor. You'll have seen her in Moonboy and in Noble, among many other things. She was also runner-up in The Dancing with the Stars a couple of years ago, which is fantastic. And that's why my children are were dying to come down and see her. She might, they might pop down just to give you a wave, actually, Deirdre. But thank you very much for coming to join us. Uh, how are you getting on in lockdown? Um, I'm getting on mostly very well. I have the odd bad day, but most of my days are good days because I'm just sort of determined to that they be good days. I mean, I, I remember listening to Larry David on something recently and he said, listen, we're being asked to sit on the sofa and watch Netflix. You're not on the front line. You're not in a ditch. You're not getting shotgun fired. At, you know, you're not being fired at. This is this is absolutely doable. There is no food shortages. Sit on your sofa and enjoy it. You know, so even though that's, I know I'm being, you know, flippant and that's easier said than done, especially as time goes on. For the most part, I'd like to finish the internet by the time. I'd like to have watched everything I ever wanted to see. And I, can, I don't want any regrets. I don't want to go, dear God, I had all the opportunity in the world to see that series and I never watched it. So, are you not learning a new language, Deirdre? Ah, no, no, you won't catch me doing anything sensible like that. Uh, I am, however, trying to write a show. Um, even though my live work is completely gone, um, I still am hoping I'll be out on tour with a new show in September. So, I have a home office out in my backyard, and my intention is to go out there and write jokes every second day because we take it in turns to do the schooling. So Steve does one day and I do the next, and on my on my day I am trying to go out there and write. But I, I haven't been great now. I took the two weeks for Easter completely off. Um, but then I was, I think that was a good thing to do because actually by this Monday I was kind of dying to get a bit of routine back into the house and go out there again. So... I'm trying to do that. That, that. That's enough. How much is food featuring in your um, lockdown? Because I think food is a factor for many of us. Can you nod your heads if you're really, you know, interested in your food situation? <laughs> I, I, I don't know how many people are nodding, but food is absolutely... They are nodding, a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, it's it's everything for me. It's absolutely everything. It's I, I have always adored... I love food. I love good food, but I have never been a good cook. So whenever I cook, I'm... I'm usually incredibly disappointed by what I make. It's not what I'd imagined in my head. I can't throw a beautiful salad together like lots of my friends can and just put out the fabulous loaf of bread and rustle up a lovely dinner. Do you know what I mean? That That's not who I am, but that is the dream. That's always been my dream, that I could just host and have people. Because I'm social, but I'm, I'm very bad at all of that. So... So I'm throwing myself into it I'm, I, because I always sort of used the excuse that I'm on the road so much and I'm out in the evening a lot. So I don't have time to prepare meals and sit down and enjoy meals. At least that's my excuse. And I don't have that excuse anymore. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I'm kind of like, okay, that, that's the point of the day at which we will gather, you know, the four of us and actually spend some time and try and eat something lovely and, and I just can't believe that we're so lucky to not have any food shortages. And I, I have lovely food shops very close to my house. I've got fish shop. I've got, you know, I've got nice things and I'm kind of indulge. I'm indulging myself a lot. So tell us about your trip to Cornell's Court that you mentioned. <laughs> 
Well, yeah, it was. So it all sounds lovely, doesn't it? It was all sounding lovely. A very nice idyllic picture there. Well, you know, for the most part, I, I, for the most part, particularly when the weather was nice, we were lucky enough to have an outside table. And you could sit out and pretend you're in Spain when the wet, when the sun shines, you know. But yeah, of course, after the Easter holidays, we had I had eaten so much that I said this has to stop, and I decided I was going to go on the sixteen-hour intermittent fasting, which is basically it sounds awfully hard, but it isn't. You're asleep for most of that. You, you basically. <laughs> you go to bed, you know, you go to bed at 11. And then if you, so it's 16 hours, if you stopped eating at eight, you try not to eat till 12 o'clock, but you can have as much tea and coffee as you want. Okay. So I thought that this, something has to go because I'm, I'm just eating rings around me. So that's what I decided. And then in the same breath, I started on Monday and I was doing very well. And on Tuesday, I had something to return to, to Corn to Duns. I, I, I like, my son will only wear nylon nylon football trousers he he's highly flammable he's, he's like the pope he's literally will go i'm afraid to light my lovely candles around him he's just nylon from head to toe and i had probably attempted to buy him a pair of trousers at which he looked at and said i will never wear them and they've been sitting in a bag at the door and you know yeah i i always have a good quite a good war mentality wait don't waste anything everything that's in the cupboards has come out everything that's in the back of the fridge is used you know that and I quite enjoyed it. But I thought, I am going to return those trousers and get me 14 euro if it kills me. So I was trying to pick the right day to go to Cornell's Court, which is fabulous. And off I went. And the queue looked like it was relatively short. So I got into the queue. And of course, I was also trying to get to my 16 hours of the fasting. And I was probably at 4, 14, 15. And I thought, well, this will distract me. And I, you know, I'll have something to do. And I won't be, I won't be at home. So I won't be able to eat. And of course, the queue went unbelievably slowly and it took me an hour to get into the shop. Now, mercifully, there's lovely things to look at in Dunn's, thanks to Helen James and, <laughs> and the other gorgeous designer. There's trinkets everywhere and you're just looking. You're not allowed to buy, but you're looking and that's grand. And then I got to the shop and I was I suddenly starving. I thought, oh my God, I'm weak. I thought I was going to faint. I was heading into 16 hours and I was probably 16 and a half and if, if you've ever done, you get to the 16 hours, like you run, you run to the toaster, you run for the food, you're hungry. So I thought, oh, Jesus, I'm faint. And then I needed the toilet because all I've done all morning is drink tea, coffee, tea, coffee, tea, coffee. So I'm, I'm bursting and I'm starving. Not a great combination when you're in the queue for the hour. And then I got in and then I said, to, this woman looked at me and she said to me, are you waiting long? I said, I'm over the hour now. I was starting to lose it. I said, I think I'll bail. I just want to exchange these trousers of my son's I said could I just do that and not bother with the food and she's looking at me and she said you're nearly there there's two people ahead of you and she was so good at sort of encouraging me to be patient which I'm not a patient person so she said you're so close would you not just get into the food because if you go into the homewares you can't then go into the food it has to be this way into the food into the food I got in mercifully they had plant pots because of course all everybody's growing food now so I have strawberries I have herbs I have basil I have parsley all needs to be and no pots and they had a load of lovely pots quite cheap I thought perfect load up me jolly do the shop as fast as I can I get back out to the homewares I'm now so weak with hunger and in such a dire need for the toilet I still haven't done the job I set out to do which was return the effing trousers so I'm looking madly for something to exchange. And you know when you're returning something, it's free money. You think it's free. You forget that you once paid for it. You, you, you think it's a, <laughs> it's a free thing. I end up 
into the home where he's buying household, uh, you know, those tins to keep your bleach in for under your sink. These are things that I would never buy. My under sink is not beautiful. That's what I bought. I bought under sink housewares and a utility tin and I was laughing to myself. And then there was a queue to exchange for the housewares and there was about six people queuing very slowly while Brendan and Courtney told us not to browse. You're not to browse. He said, we love you and we're keeping the food fresh and the bread is fabulous, but we don't want you to browse. And I'm thinking, I don't want to browse, Brendan. I want to pay for the trousers. I want to get this exchange over. And then a woman in front of me goes, are you dear dog? Okay, and I'm going, not now, not now. <laughs> and then I spot a lovely Jones worker who's folding things beautifully. So, of course, I turn into my mother, which I go, why is there nobody on the till? Why is there only one person on the till? I'm always the loud woman who's going, why could we not put another person on till four? Because that's probably my dream job to be organizing people. So this girl looks at me and she goes, oh, yeah, I could do that. And up she goes to the till. I was like, Jesus, at least I got a bit of thanks from the people around me in the queue. And then off I went to the toilet and the coffee shop was open and they had one pan of chocolate left. And I heard myself at the top of my voice going, I bags that, I bags that. As if somebody else was going to try and grab it. Deirdre, Anne Enright has a passage in The Gathering about the Christmas shop. I don't know if any of you have read The Gathering or you know that passage I'm talking about. But you should do that one about the COVID shop. I think. COVID you, shop. Yeah. Someone said, people are being very funny and somebody wants to see your under sink. Someone said in the messages. Well, I, I, I'll, I'll post a picture of it after this on my Instagram. <laughs> and also, someone said Cornell's Court should be called COVID's Court. COVID's Court, yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm done now. I won't be going, but I'll just... You know, is that it for you now with, with Cornwall? Yeah, no, no, I'm grand. I have plenty of local small shops that I can walk to, so it's fine. And uh, how's, the, how's the intermittent fasting going? It's doable. It's very doable, but I haven't noticed any difference on the scales, which has kind of annoyed me. Like, today is Saturday. I've done a week of it, and I'm going... The scale is the same. Yeah, but you're lovely, Deirdre. You're gorgeous anyway. Don't change and don't worry about the Corona stone or the Corona two stone or whatever it is that people are talking about. Speaking uh, of stones, speaking of stones, one of the activities you've been doing in lockdown. What a beautiful thing. <laughs> my, nice, my nice segue there. He's been painting pebbles, everyone. I mean, painting rocks, painting rocks. Which, and you know what made me howl when I was in the queue for Jones? Um, they, they now have all the things that everybody wants, you know, as, as the, on, on full frontal display. And here, here was a painting rocks thing for children and there was a few rocks in it. I had to laugh. So it was the paints and the paintbrushes, but also a few pebbles in this thing for about 20 quid. Anyway, mine came from Kalini Beach, very flat. And the minute I, I'd never, ever intended to paint rocks. How did you get into it? I just was collecting the rocks on the beach and I thought they're lovely and smooth and soft and I put them on the table and then I think Holly said to me you should see the rock painting on Pinterest and uh, and of course the minute you see them I mean they're a magnificent painting rocks on Pinterest you, you wouldn't not want to do it and then the other thing was we found a big bag of paints a big bag of unused acrylic paints that were probably bought for some school project sitting wasted so as I said the war mentality kicked in get them out get the paint out I was trying to get them I was trying to encourage them to do it but of course I ended up doing it I found it very therapeutic so they're kind of nautical looking these 
pebbles. Do you have any there? No. We had intended to put hearts on them and stay safe and put angels and leave them in people's gardens. That was the intention. Okay. Listen, I did two angels and one waves, and I'm over that fad now. We're into baking now. So it's, you know, it's every week there's a new fad. Um, Daniel got into watching Junior Bake Off, and that, that changed our lives then. It was all about flour then. Yeah. How are you finding the flour shortage? Have you got much flour going on around your, your local? I was very lucky. I had quite a bit. I seem to have three or four bags because I have a junior search home economics child in my house. So there was a lot of unused flour uh, and we haven't run out yet. It was the yeast that was hard to get. Then I got live yeast. I don't know what to do with that. Yeah, I don't know anything about this yeast. It comes in a block. You have to keep it in the fridge. Have you ever tried? Have you ever used? I, no. No. So most people are buying quick this is like having a child. It's to be fed and everything. You keep it in your, it's not that you keep the child in the fridge, but I mean, it's, it's live. Don't, it's don't like, ask me. It's like everyone has their sourdough starters and they're feeding them and all. Is it the same kind of thing, is it? I think so, yeah. Uh, like I, 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 Neither I, of us are clearly experts in this. We no, don't really know what we're talking about. So I'm very, very keen now on freezing bananas. That's my big thing. Chopping up the bananas, freezing them for the smoothies and, and banana chocolate milk. <laughs> I found a fabulous book in Deals. Oh my God, I've had a great time in Deals. A, a cookbook, the 16-hour intermittent fasting book with recipes, I couldn't believe it, 150 in the Deals. I mean, what more could I do? Almond milk, chopped up bananas and a spoonful of cocoa powder. I put it in the Nutribullet. It was the nicest thing I ever tasted in my life. I mm. said, this is divine. So whenever I have a success, like that, a domestic success, I get a genuine high because it, it doesn't happen to me often. So I'm just like ecstatic. If I do something good, I'm like, oh, look at this. Have, so, you, have, you, have you done any banana bread yet? Yes, I always do the banana bread because I can't stand waste. So when the bananas are black, banana bread gets made. This, these days, actually, they're kind of reminding me of when I was a stay-at-home mum, which I was shocking at. And I, I, act, I was so bad, I wrote a show entirely about how unbelievably rubbish I was at it. And I realised, listen, I'm doing it again. I'm back into that. Oh, your, your food, food again, except that they're not toddlers, so it's not as hard. I genuinely feel for the people who have toddlers in this because they have to be entertained around the clock. Whereas mine are, you know, they're good ages. Holly's self-sufficient, she's 15. Dan now needs a bit of attention, but still, it's not the same as, as trying to entertain toddlers all day. That's hard work, so. Deirdre, yeah. um, do you think there's a lot of talk at the moment about people getting complacent and stuff? And you you live out in beautiful Dunleer, you have your peer. Have you noticed people are getting a bit more fahool up with the old physical distancing and things like that? Or do you think everyone's still being uh, very good at it? I think most people are still being good, but I've, I, I think there's a few more people around in the last couple of days. But I also have felt, I think this week was the first week I felt antsy. You know, I, I felt, I, I, I really just thought, oh my God, oh, this is hard. I need to get out of here. So I think there's a bit of that going on. Um, and probably that news that we were doing well probably didn't help. I, I think when people here were doing well, they think, oh, we're doing very well. We're doing very well. We've flattened that curve. I'll go out, you know, a bit further or I'll do something. But I think most people are on it. You know, I do. Yeah. Um, well, let's hope everyone stays on it. Because like I was saying, my sister who's here, she hasn't been out and, and she's not unusual. There's lots of people who are doing that and really making all those sacrifices 
And then if other people kind of mess it up, it's kind of, it's not going to be good. But it's very hard to know what they'll do on May 5th, isn't it? Like what will be the, if any, lifting of any restrictions or, you know. I just, uh, I mean, I don't, the social distancing certainly won't go. Um, I think what will happen is that maybe some restaurants with social distancing in them and some shops with two or three people going in at a time. I don't know if they'll change the two kilometre Radius, do you think they will? I, I don't know. That's what I'm I'm expecting, the, a bit few more shops and a bit more restaurant. I, I think my neighbours are cocooning there in the Rages and they're struggling. They're, he, he's really struggling. I'm feeling for him. He's just bored out of his mind. And it's just like, you know, what can you, know, what can you do? You know, he, I, I'm feeling for him terribly, for them. So, yeah, I'm, I'm aware that, I'm very, very aware that I am, I am lucky in this. You know, my kids are at a good age. I live in it good you know place that I, I have see near me within walking distance so you know and I'm very aware of the people who are struggling and I, I just I feel for them and I kind of desperately want to help them somehow but I'm not entirely sure how to but yeah what about your own work because you were supposed to be doing a show weren't you a big sky tv show which was a big deal yeah. my lovely series um six one hours for for sky one we were shooting in the olympia we would have finished uh two weeks ago it's been postponed till February, which is feels like a long, long way away. And with that said, I'm now at the point where I'm going, please, God, tell me the theatres will be open by February. I'm actually scheduled to go out on tour in September. So I'm, you know, I, I'm hoping that we might have something in September, but I'm thinking worst case scenario, January, because I can deal with I can deal with a year postponement, but I think if that goes on, I'll I'll probably panic and I'll certainly be panicking financially and every other way. And what about writing then? Because you're supposed to be writing this show. So are you, how are you getting on? I am writing, I am writing. I told you, every second day I'm writing. (laughs) Um, I have probably at least 60% of it written. Um, So yeah, with with a September deadline, that's, uh, that's very doable. So, um, yeah, I started writing, oddly enough, the, the last the thing I was writing about last week was my dad. My, my dad died 18 months ago in August. And uh, suddenly, as I was walking the pier, his, his voice just sort of came to me quite comically um, because I was trying to think about what he'd make of this. You know, and what he, he, I mean, he he didn't leave the house anyway for the last six years. He wasn't very well, but he didn't, he didn't, he had a, he hated any rain or cold or anything. So he wouldn't have been out anyway, but he probably would have been given out about it. Um, but I thought it was quite funny that his, his voice sort of came to me that way. I thought, God, it's, is it because he's passed that I feel a freedom to write about him or, you know, because I'd never wrote him about him like that before. Um. But he, he had this pathological hatred of the banks. And I, I'd started writing about the fact that he never gave me advice, my father, because he was of the generation that didn't talk to you. You know, they just, they didn't talk to you. I mean, I, I went to a boarding school and I, I remember phoning home when I was doing my leaving cert and my father answering the phone and going, oh, 0862. He always coughed before he said the number. He wouldn't be popular now. Um, but he said, oh, eight, six, two. Who's that grown gamer, Liz? Oh, oh, there's you, love, Dirty. He couldn't pronounce my name. I always remember thinking that was hilarious. Um, and he said, uh, how are you, love? I said, I'm doing, I said, I had geography today. It was the middle of the leave insert. And there was a big pause. 
Right. Okay. I said, I'm doing the leaving cert, Dad. Are you really? Are you really? Well, the best of luck with that, love. I'll just get your mother. <laughs> and it was just... <laughs> it was just hysterical. I was like, I, and I just thought, oh my God. As it came to me, I thought, my God, my children are ruined. I'm watching their every move. I'm all over it. Quite funny. But anyway, I, and I, I thought to myself, well, they, those were the days. You know, it was a boarding school and it was a private boarding school. I thought, so private, they didn't know what you were doing. So that sounds, that sounds like a whole show, if you ask me. I could listen to, to your dad's. Uh sort of parenting style for a long time. It's fantastic. Oh, that's nice to hear because I, I haven't, I, you know, I, I normally, in, my, in the real world, I get up every week. I go into a club in town and I get up for 10, 15 minutes, wherever, just unannounced to try out new stuff. So obviously that's gone. So you are mine. <laughs> oh, you're my new audience. <laughs> I honestly haven't had a chance to try out anything. So I'm very happy to hear that. Well, I think that works. Um, somebody wants to know where you went to boarding school. Loretta Abbey at Farnham. And do you have any boarding school tales? I'm always really jealous of people who went to boarding school. No, no, no. I went to boarding school and I was very bored. I was very bored. <laughs> I, and I, I was a really, God, so just so sheltered, too sheltered. You know, really, I had no street crowds at all. No, when people talk about, you know that thing when people go, could you write a, write a letter to your younger self or... Talk about your years back then. I mine are blank. I kind of go, what would I be saying? What would I be writing? I was. I didn't feel like I was engaged with the world at all, which I think explains my very late development in life. You know, I'm a I'm a walking advertisement for still trying to make it in your fifties, still trying to sort of graft myself up to thing because I'm just so slow at everything, and I, and I partly put that on the fact that I was off in this kind of old building where I went to mass seven mornings a week before my breakfast and it's not that long ago but it was really very old-fashioned and I didn't have telly um, or phones or it's like just nothing but I tell you what it did give me I once I, I remember years ago I was doing an arts festival in Connemara and I shared a train journey um, with Anthony Cronin the writer the book and uh, and I was young I was in my 20s and I just started doing stand-up I don't know why we were sitting together on the train, but we were. And he was very intrigued about stand-up because so, I mean, back then, there were so few females. It's still a heavily male thing, as you know. But but there were back then, I was really on my own. And he was trying to understand the psyche behind it. Why would you, you know, go down this particular road? It's, it's, a, it's a difficult road. And, I, and as he was asking me various different questions, I kind of dropped into it that I had been to a boarding school. And he said, ah, he said, that tells me an awful lot, he said, because I once interviewed a woman who was very well-to-do from a kind of middle, upper-class background, and she went to prison for fraud. And when I interviewed her to ask her how she was coping, she said, oh, fine, I, I went to a boarding school. That's no, no bother to me. I'm, you know, I'm institutionalised, uh, so it's, it's not a difficulty. They, they say the lights go out at 10, I'm, sure I'm, I'm used to that. And I, I have that in me. So I, really? if I'm told not to go out more than two kilometres or you can't do what you can't do, I just go straight back into my institutionalised brain and I go, that's fine, but I, I'm totally able to cope with, I think I'd be very, I'd be grand. I could do jail time, I could do war. <laughs> I think that's what boarding school gives you. This podcast is brought to you by Green and Blacks, a rich, smooth and truly delicious chocolate experience.
Listen, I'm, I'm just um, keep looking at your husband's name, Stephen, there on your screen because it's his account. And you, as a, you've, as a family, you've been through quite a traumatic time because when you you were living in London, you moved back to Ireland, and then not long after you'd moved back, you found out that Stephen was very sick. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that because he ended up writing a book, shooting and cutting about yeah. you. Uh, do you see the bit of product placement behind? Yeah, me? I did. <laughs> Shooting and cutting. Well, I mean, the, the upside of, of this is that his his book sales have gone quite quite high on the Kindle. So that's a plus. That's good. Um, but yes, it was a very surreal and awful time. And actually, it, it's only two years ago. Um, we returned to Ireland uh, four years ago and we weren't here a week when Steve landed in A&E and... Um, and was diagnosed with stage four cancer, um, bowel and liver, and we went through 18 months of hell. But he made it, and he's he's all clear for now. Um, you know, they don't ever give you that until you're in the five-year all clear, but he's great, and there's, there's nothing wrong with him. Um, and he, he wrote the book about it, which is, I think, a very a very brilliant read. And in, in not, I'm not saying that because I'm, obviously very close to it and it's personal, but I, I think in terms of the medics who who were all so in awe of right now, I, I have all, I was already in awe of the medics because I'd spent 18 months in Vincent's watching them and watching the nurses literally save his life. Um, and that book, if anybody's interested in, you know, in praising the medics, I, I, funnily enough, you know, at the time when it came out, I know that the people in the hospital were really touched because they said, we get such a hammering. You know, we, we get such a hammering. I know there terrible things that happened and the cervical scandal had happened, but they're also saving lives all of the time. Mm-hmm. And they had been just battered. And they said, you know, we're, our souls, their, their morale was just low, very, very low. Um, so if I guess if there's an upside for what we're going through now, it's a... It's a reminder, again, of how incredible these people are and what they're doing for us all. Mm-hmm. And uh, please, God, when this is over, they'll be paid properly and the nurses won't have to strike again. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. I don't know if you're seeing the lovely comments that are coming through. People are really glad that he's recovered and that he's better because that was an awful uh, thing to go through. Um, so people- yeah, it's it's not pretty, but, you know, it's it's awful. And, uh, and for anybody, and I'm, I'm always very highly aware that so many people yeah. are going through this, and particularly now, and there are people who are at home going through this now, which is, you know, doubly, trebly hard because they're so afraid of infection and of meeting anybody. And so you just have to be so mindful. But the, the positive is, you know, he made it. And... You know, I think when people hear the word stage four cancer, they they assume that you're you're going to die. And Steve certainly faced that, and we both did. But you know, he's alive, and that, so you know, stay stay hopeful. Be be hopeful. We have the best medics in the world in this country. For whatever we say about our system, yeah. and I suspect it will change uh, after all of this. You know, there's it, a very interesting conversation to ha- to be had about the fact that the private hospitals are now you know, filled with different patients. That 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 will all be a very interesting discussion in time. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, compared to other places, my God, we, we really we're we're lucky. We are lucky. You've uh, speaking of lucky, you've described yourself as being lucky in love that um, you know, your relationship is something that you're just very grateful for. Um you were friends first though for a So glad that you didn't uh, ask me that last week. <laughs> Are you finding in lockdown there's some tension going 
There has to be tension. I mean, come on. There has to be tension. I mean, we're you know, it's inevitable, right? I mean, you'd have to be a superhero for there not to be tension. Um, but we're mostly good. We are mostly good. But yeah, I mean, there are just people do things differently. <laughs> Um, but yes, I, I was always, I always felt that I was lucky in love and that I used to feel when my career, you know, I, I always felt my career took a long time to get going and that I, I really grabbed it and I sort of struggled and, I, I, you know, I spent long times in and out of work and this, that and the other. And I used to think, well, you can't have it all, do you? you know, you, you got lucky in love early. So, you know, what do you want? You can get it all, but we still strive to get it all. <laughs> Yeah, there's somebody saying full time living with your partner is very hard here. Someone being very honest, and I didn't catch the name, but you know who you are, whoever you said it. Well, you know, they say what will come out of this will be divorces or babies. You know, stand in line. There'll be no more babies coming out of this house. But I don't think we'll divorce. I think we'll make it. Good, good to hear that. Um, what about your mental health? Because I think that's something that's affecting people in different ways too, and people are doing you know, mindfulness and meditation and all that kind of thing seems to be helping a lot of people. I, I've watched Brezzy a few times on the Instagram. I don't know if anyone's seen him. He's doing these nightly little chats. It's very nice looking at him, telling you how to be all mindful and stuff. What are you doing for your mental health? Well, I, I've been doing that for years. So I'm kind of in that groove. Um, I, I meditate. Now I, I kind of lapse out of it as well. But, you know, what I'd like to say to people is a nap is the same as meditation <laughs> some people just call it meditation and they say i'm just going off to do my meditation but actually they're going to sit in bed and close their eyes and have a lovely little nap for themselves so there's no need to be all highfalutin you could say about it going oh i'm going to meditate it's just closing your eyes actually and trying to stop the noise you know just trying to stop I, I, I have found myself whenever I've been inclined to get dark uh, during this, that I, I, if I take a day or two away from the news, I fare much, much better. Um, and I, I, I then, I, of course, I have guilt then for opting out of it and, you know, you know, not, not being mindful about all of the people who are struggling. But at the same time, you just cannot keep that up. You cannot be in the news. And Steve is a news addict. That would have been part of our argument, actually, me going... I think four newses in the day might be too much, you know. So we've tried to pull back and he's tried to pull back. That's my, I mean, my big tip is like watch something else, you know, tune, tune out of it and, and, and have a little nap. Just close your eyes. And, you know, if, if you think the word meditate is intimidating, isn't it? People think they can't do it. And that's all it is. It's just closing your eyes for 10 minutes and quiet. And you'd be amazed the amount of peace that will descend. And when you actually allow your brain to be quiet, it's just very good for you. And what about your 2K walks? I mentioned Dunleer, you've got the pier. I'm quite jealous because my, my thing I like to do is go down to Pool Bag to the lighthouse. And I can't do that now. You can't do it. But, but you've got your pier and your little perch because you often put it, do a little oh, picture yes. on Instagram of your perch. I know. I mean, I, I walk the pier daily, sometimes twice. Um, you know, I, I'm just, I love it. Like you must I, be bumping into Ryan Tuberty a lot down there, right? I do. I do bump into Ryan Tuberty. And I do say to him, isn't it fabulous that nobody can stop you for selfies or say hello? They can't come near you. Isn't oh, it yeah. <laughs> he said, that's the bounce. He doesn't get, he doesn't get any harassment. Um, but yeah, I do see him. I, I it's it's lovely. What can I say? That's our piece of luck. You know, it's 
it's a four minute walk from my door. I, I got lucky. I got so lucky. Yeah. So what do you think will be next for you? Like, are you able to think about the future? Are you finding it hard to concentrate? Because somebody just mentioned there reading, doing the things that we normally do. It's the sort of focus has gone a bit. People are finding. Do you find that? Have you read yeah. many books? I'm reading like I have three or four books. So nothing is fully read. Um, and I have found that my concentration is not what it was. And I'm kind of, I'm, I'm kind of going, I'm rolling with that. I don't know at what point I'm going to start panicking because if I keep up this level of not writing, <laughs> I won't have a bully show written and I will have no excuse, obviously. So I'm not sure when that, that dichotomy is going to solve itself. But yeah, my brain's definitely, it's in, I think my brain is in some kind of weird holiday mode you know although it's not a holiday but I know what you mean it's not a holiday but because we're all in the house all the time that's what your holidays are like I mean I actually I said to the kids there will be no family holiday this year we have done it we have done it I don't need to see more of you we don't need quality time together this is it so when this is over if we ever get an airplane again or whatever i We'll take Holly off for a trip there. Steve could take Tanya to football if there's ever any football again. But the four of us are not going away this summer. <laughs> it's done. Someone mentioning Trump there, of course, because he's in all our minds and our news feeds. But the whole disinfectant thing and the UV light thing, I mean, it's just shocking, isn't it? Wouldn't you be awful grateful for our lot? Now, I mean, I'm sure people have their criticisms, but sweet Lord, when you're looking at that lunatic, Simon Coveney seems awful attractive to me. I'm like, look at him. You can send him to the shops. You could send him to the Brussels shops. You could send him. He's very capable. He has a lovely tone. He's very sensible. He's very calm. He's articulate. He makes sense. I'm like, look at these boys. I'm delighted with them. You know, I just think they're great. But I, I am, I'm grateful. I think they've done a, a great job. And I'm just, I have friends in the States and other places where it just, you know, in despair they were already in despair but now it's just hideous it's hideous um just on another uh, lockdown activity that i noticed you were doing on instagram was you, you've created your own gin bar which i think is really admirable i'm a great lover of the gin i love <laughs> my gin and tonic and i have it every evening at 6 p.m because my friend in Madrid has been stuck in her apartment. So we have a peritivo. She goes to her balcony and we have a peritivo together every evening at six. Um, she has a six-year-old boy who has not left the house for a month. I, you know, not uh, no air. They have this tiny, they have a window onto, you wouldn't call it a balcony. It's like a ledge that they can sort of, they can go out for the clap every night at 8 p.m. Um, but yes, yeah, so her aperitivo is vital to her. So I row in on that. That's my excuse. And I have my gin and tonic with her. And yeah, I, I bought the gin bar light. I spotted it in town just before the pandemic. And, uh, and I had it in, in, in the boot of the car and I unwrapped it and created a tray with the glasses and the light. And it's like an altar to the gin. It's like a little altar. And I'm so grateful that I don't have a drink problem because I, I, every time I say this, I think... Well, not oh, yes, not yet, dear. Well, not yet. But I, I don't do... You know, I have the winner, as I call it, the winner. I don't have the second one. I, I just have the winner. Maybe at the weekend I might have another, but I generally just find that one is just so spectacular. I kind of leave it across. 
little, I'm going to open it to questions in a little minute, but I wanted to ask you about what kind of a homeschool teacher you are. I imagine you're you're quite good at that. I'm all right. I'm all right. Steve is better. Daniel has told me that in no uncertain terms. Okay. Daniel's better than you. He knows I can't do the maths. I can't do the maths. That's the problem. The long division. Like I tried to do long division the other day. I just realised I don't know how to do long division. Do they not have a different method to the one we had? Yeah, but it's still, it may, I, they taught me their new method and now I can do it better than I could do it before, you know. Well, I couldn't do it then and I can't do it now. And not only that, I have no desire. I do not care. They keep saying to me, what, do you use long division in your job, mum? I was like, no. No, I have a calculator. Look at me, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I have no interest. I'm just like, get it done, love, because you have to. That's it, you know. You have to do it, so that's it. Actually, he's good at maths, Dan, which is obviously not, oh, taking after, not taking after me. But I just go do the sums. Dad will correct, correct them later because I just, it, it, I might as well be looking at double Dutch. Um, then the Irish is another downfall. Very bad. I'm very bad, so I can't really help him there. Though I try, I try. I try to make it funny. I try to make the Irish funny. <laughs> he howls when I try to make sentences with my... I sort of do that Connemara Irish. Do you know what to throw in the August initial? August initial is the time for the lunch. Do you know the way they do it that down the west? August initial, there's yourself, Patsy. So I try to do that and he finds that funny. <laughs> um, what am I good right. at? I'm quite good at English and, you know, that's fine. And the listening to the books. I'm, all, I'm grand. I'm grand. <laughs> And I'm going to open it to questions, but just to, to give you congratulations for your incredible performance in Dancing with the Stars. I mean, she was amazing. She was, I don't know if any of you saw her. She was just beautiful, elegant, like you'd been doing it all your lives. I mean, are, did you have secret lessons before or what was the story? You, no, are you kidding me? Of course I did. If I'd known what was ahead of me, I went into that so green. I had no clue. Now, I very deliberately didn't do any research or ask and he was like because I thought if I ask them and they tell me it's hard I won't do it so I very deliberately didn't ask you know I chose to be green but I had no clue how much it would take out of me if I had known I would have done some frigging lessons if it was something that I thought was on the horizon you know I would have prepared myself a little bit but I was shockingly on if we had actually just come through Stephen's cancer treatment through eight, uh, 20 months of that so I was incredibly unfit I had I was working so hard I, I said yes to everything when Steve was sick because obviously he wasn't going to work for two years and and we had just come home and we had this crazy rent at the time um so I was literally I was just saying yes 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 so I was flat out and I was eating badly so I was I was really out of shape really unfit and it was yeah it was so it was tough so so it was a bit of a miracle I had been an Irish dancer as a kid and I wasn't bad. So I knew I had rhythm. That's all I knew. Well, you were brilliant. Okay, I'm going to open it up. I hope you all have questions now. You've been, your comments throughout have been amazing. I'm sorry I haven't been able to get to them all. Somebody mentioned that there's been an increase in pregnancy test kits by 25%, which, you know, make of that what you will. There you go. What will they all be called? COVID, COVID O'Shea. Uh, <laughs> I saw there's a little boy in America called Corona. That was his name before this. And Tom Hanks wrote him a lovely letter and sent him a typewriter and a very nice, because he's getting completely teased for being called Corona, you know. Isn't Tom, we love a bit of Tom. We love Tom. Could do quarantine with Tom. I could please. do quarantine with Tom. I'm sure of it. <laughs> um, okay, so we're going we're gonna, to uh, do some questions now. So I suppose the best thing is hands up. I have a couple of screens open. So, okay, I'm going to go to my sister and be completely nepotistic. 
sister Katie, who the one I was telling you is cocooning with my mom and her partner and her three small children. Okay, so my question is, asking for a friend, what would you think if somebody was like, I'm hilarious, I should totally get into stand-up? Oh, I mean, I'd just say, you know, go, go to a club immediately. Um, put your name on a list. I mean, the open mic nights, there, there are nights where every single club will give a slot to a new comic and they'll give you probably five minutes. My advice to somebody always, if they think they can do it, is go and watch. Start, start going to clubs. You will learn. You will learn as much from people who are not good as you will from people who are good. Um, I, that's what I did. I went to clubs for a long time before I got up just to watch it. That, that will help enormously. And then book five, 10 minutes, work on the writing. And here's the most important thing. Learn it. The number of people who get up on stage and can't remember what they wanted to say because they're in such a state of fright that they're shocked into not being able to deliver. Well, is it like writing a monologue for five minutes of your like 4,000 words and then being able to deliver it? That would be a great way to do it. It doesn't have to be any number of words and it certainly doesn't have to be a monologue. I mean, some some comics are literally one-liners, some improvise. I, I, I write and I write drafts of things, So I, but I'm unusual. I mean, most comics don't, don't write. I'm longhander and I rewrite things and I'm, you know, I put in drafts, but that's just the way I like to do it because for me, it's more about the turn of phrase than the joke. Mm. I like the phrasing of a sentence and that's what gives me the pleasure. But I, I certainly know that the people who succeed at stand-up are the people who actually put the work into it. People forget that it actually takes a lot of work. Yeah. You write the thing and then take out every line that isn't necessary, you know, and just try to keep to the funny, the funny, the funny, the funny, and just try and inject a funny word, whatever. When I say a funny word, I, I always think that certain words are comedy-shaped, so I just like put them in, use them, and, and then just go, do it. Now, anybody else got a question? Hands up. If you, oh, Fiona. Okay, I'm unmuting Fiona. Hi, Fiona. Thanks so much for coming. Hi. I know your comments are great. Um, thanks a million. So, Fiona, what's your question for Deirdre? Uh, just wondering if, as a woman in the industry, you've noticed any positive changes since the Me Too movement, or do you feel like it's plateauing a little bit? The most positive change is that there are a lot more women in it. Mm-hmm. Um, which in itself can only be a great thing. Um, I mean, when I look back and I think about the fact that I never had another female with me for 10 years, mm-hmm. I, I went on stage and into every club with only men. And, and I realized, I didn't actually realize how difficult it was at the time. It's really only in hindsight that I kind of go, my God, I would have had a lovely time with my with girlfriends, if I'd had them around. So I'm kind of envious of the younger ones that they, they have each other. And I'm actually really enjoying having, you know, I, I get to work with Joanne McNally and every time I'm on the road, I have a female support act. And right. I just love that. Okay, I'm going to see if there's any more raised hands. I'm sorry I don't have the technology to see. Is there anyone that is really dying to ask a question? Okay. Oh, look, it's Bernice Harrison is going to ask a question. Hey, Bernice. Hey there, Roisin. You might recognize Bernice. She's in our Women's Podcast Book Club. Yeah. um, My husband went to see uh, a comedy night in Whelan's about maybe, I don't know, two months ago. And Deirdre was doing what he thought was a tryout, maybe. Yes, it would have been two months ago, yeah. Ah, and he thought it was the funniest flipping thing he'd ever seen. And he did that annoying thing, you know, by sort of laughing to himself when he's, when he was thinking of the jokes, and I'd say, what are you laughing at? Tell me. 
and he couldn't kind of explain it. But so obviously you were trying out new material. So that maybe was that for your September show then? Yes. And and then obviously, you know, as a comic, presumably, you know it works if people laugh, right? Mm-hmm. But is there times that you think, God, why why aren't people laughing at that? That is flipping hilarious. Why? <laughs> like, are you ever disappointed in these triads or do you just persist with the material or do you drop stuff if it doesn't work? Yeah, oh, I'm always disappointed. <laughs> Um, there's always lines in there that I think are cracking and they, they tumbleweed blows <laughs> across the stage and I'm waiting for the laugh. But I, what I usually do is try it. If it's failed, I try to analyze why it's failed. So I try to make a small change. I don't give up on it straight away. Right. Sometimes another audience will laugh, but usually, you know what? It can be the smallest thing. It can literally be a word that is upsetting the rhythm of a sentence. It can be mm. that small. Um, Alison Kowser is on here, Deirdre. I don't know if you know Alison, but she's saying, what's the first thing you're going to do after lockdown is lifted? Uh, do you know what? I think I'll be desperate to get back on a stage. I'm, I'm, already, I'm already chomping at the bit because I was enjoying I was enjoying those Whelan's gigs, the trying out of the stuff. Um, and I'm, I, I think that when I get on a stage, I think I'm gonna, the appreciation I'm going to have for my audience will just be, you know, I think it's going to be more than I've, I've ever, you know, appreciated them. I, I just think, oh, my God, the thoughts that people will actually leave their house and come out and buy a ticket. You know, I've always been slightly in awe of that. You know, any time you go to a theatre and people are there, you go, my God, you left your house. You actually bought a ticket and you're here. You know, I've admired it. But now, now I'm just going to be like, oh, for me, because it's, you know, it feeds me and I I miss it. So that will be my, my new show is called Demented. Yeah, well, I think that's. Do you imagine she's named her show Demented? How like, and that was before this Demented. Before, yeah, yeah, it was just about being fifty and the lack of estrogen in my life. That's why I called it Demented. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, anybody else got questions? We have a few more minutes here. Oh, Emer Fisher. Hello, Emer. Hi. You? I'm just Eimer, wondering, will you have to uh, adapt your material if there has to be social distancing in the theatre? So, if, for example you have to have a third less people in the theatre. Yeah. That'll, that'll change the dynamics. So will you have to adapt your material? I'll tell you what it'll change. It'll change my pay packet. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm very, very worried about it because I'm thinking, oh my God, if a 400-seater suddenly becomes a 100-seater, is that actually viable? Um, so that's I'm more worried about that. And I, I kind of feel that the theatres might be the last... We might be left till the last to open again. Um, so God, yeah, I, I'm, I'm worried about that. I'm less worried about the material. Um, I think the material, you know, find, what's funny is funny. It, it, it always finds a way. Um, I think it'll be more disparate, you know, that, that, that you won't get that infectious, you know, when somebody's laughing next to you, it's infectious and you can feel them, that the shoulders going. But um, I, I think it would work, but I just think financially, I just, just don't know how. I don't know how I'm going to make it work that way. If if that's the way we go back. Um, anybody else? You've been very generous with your time here, Deirdre. We really appreciate it. And coming I'm on the- having a ball of people. <laughs> I'm thrilled with myself. Oh, Anne Lee. Hello, Anne. Uh, thanks, Mayan. This has been really fun. I was just wondering, uh, do you have any recommendations for like up-and-coming comedians or comedy shows to watch online? I'm desperately looking for something to watch. 
Oh my God. Um, well, have you watched There's so many specials on Netflix? The specials on that are, are amazing. Wanda Sykes. I'd watch Wanda. She's amazing. My friend SJ sent me somebody last night and I thought he was hysterical. I'm actually scrolling through my text to see what his name was. Tom Papa was his name. Tom, Tom Papa. I, I'm going to watch him probably tonight. Um, amazing. Thank you. <laughs> Ashley B is on a special there on Netflix with a couple of other comics. Yeah, it's great. I've seen it. Um, time for a couple more questions if anybody has one if you can hang on Deirdre if you're able to answer a couple yeah, more yeah yeah I'm not got nowhere to go look I mean, that's no true none of us have anywhere to go anybody gonna oh Sarah Conroy is really wanting to ask a question hi Sarah hi I just wanted to ask Deirdre um, what she thinks we've learned from um, what's gone on in the last six weeks God that's a big question I mean I suspect we've learned what's important you know, um, the people who are important, the nurses and drivers and all those workers and people who are stacking shelves. I think people have appreciation for the workers, but the, the, it's particularly not particularly well-paid workers who are absolutely vital to us. Um, you know, I think we've, we've certainly learned that. And I think we've probably... Well, I'll probably learn a few things about our society and how it's working. And but that that's probably the big one. Probably, do you know what else? I think I think the world was going awful fast and there was far too much noise. I really do. I'm glad that FOMO is gone, you know. FOMO anyway, that's the fear of missing out for anyone who doesn't have a teenager. Um, because everybody's on a level playing field. Nobody's going anywhere. No one's having a better life. We're not looking at everybody on their fabulous holidays in their fabulous homes, you know? It, it looks to me like most people's homes, even the celebrities I've seen, they look grand. They have a fridge, they have a few shelves. You know, it, it looks normal enough to me. I'm not looking at anybody's house going, oh my God, that's a magnificent. You know, we all just, can we all just live our lives and less noise would be a great thing. I think um, I, I am certainly enjoying the sort of non-pressure of that, even though I know some people are screen-tastic at the moment. I, I'm kind of not really, not much. Jo- Joanne, who, um, who's here, has said that it's now JOMO, the joy of missing out, has replaced it. Oh, fantastic. I love that. I yeah. love that. Yeah, I, I definitely know some people are definitely a lot happier because I think they feel... Oh, okay. I, I, don't, I don't have to be doing. As for the young people, how in the name of God do they keep up this lashes, hair, nails, tan carry on? I mean, the hours that are devoted to that, I just, I can't fathom it. I can't fathom it. I'm like, I'm demented at the notion of trying to get anything together. I'm cutting my own hair, I'm dyeing my own hair. It's fine. But I mean, I only ever did the basics, you know, the basics. But now those things in the last few years, had become the basics. Lashes and nails became the basics. And the tan. I'm like, and I was at a point where I was thinking, this has to stop. And I remember reading Michelle Obama's book and Hillary Clinton's, I went through an American <laughs> political phase. And oh, both of them were commenting on the fact that it took an hour more, two hours more in their day than either of their partners because of the feckin' grooming. They had to have the blow dry. They had to have the makeup done professionally. And I just thought this is a very unequal, unfair world and it has to stop. I blame the Kardashians, of course, entirely. I blame <laughs> them entirely for this. 
So if that would go, if that would diminish a little bit, I think that would be marvellous. If our children could be less orange, that would be great. (laughs) I have to say, all your hair is looking very nice. You're all looking beautiful. I just want to get my thanks in. I'm really grateful. I mean, over 200 people came here this evening. And I think it's really nice just to come together, have a bit of a distraction. I know we've all got our family and our friends Zooms, but this is something a little bit different. And I hope you've enjoyed it. And, And also just to say thanks very much for supporting the Irish Times because it's difficult times for us as well. And we've had a real increase in subscriptions, but things are tough with advertising and stuff. So we really do appreciate you taking out subscriptions and Deirdre, thanks a million for, for coming on this call because, it's as I said, it's a lovely distraction, a big night in with the women's podcast. We're very grateful. Total pleasure for me. I'm delighted with myself. Maybe you can just leave us with some words of, uh, I don't know, encouragement in this. I think there is a bit of antsiness setting in. There will be light. For God's sake, just find those shows, ring around, find the shows that you're going to enjoy on the telly and enjoy them. Enjoy the time because, you know, we'll all be busy again and go, oh, my God, I had all that time to read and relax and watch things. So just have no guilt about doing nothing. Enjoy it, for God's sake. It'll be over sooner than you think and you'll be busy. So just make the best of the time. Just enjoy it. Relax. Relax. And that's it for today. Thanks very much to Deirdre O'Kane and to everyone who joined us for the big night in. We hope to be announcing another one very soon. Remember, you can subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Spotify, Acast and all good podcast apps. If you want to get in touch, we're on Twitter and Facebook at IT Women's Podcast or you can email us on the women's podcast at irishtimes.com and the podcast is produced by me Roisin Ingle and by Suzanne Brennan with JJ Vernon on sound until next time stay safe and thanks for listening up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com